Welcome everybody to Cashflow to Freedom. I am so excited. You guys are just going to love this podcast today. Brittany is just, she is so awesome. She does everything herself. She's just found opportunity. She's gone out there and she's made things happen. You're just going to absolutely love this one. So anyone looking to get started in real estate, not sure where to go, not sure what they need to do, this is the podcast for you. One of the things that I like too best about it is that when you're looking for opportunity, when you're trying to see where to go, lots of times we just stop because we don't even know how to move forward. And Brittany shares with you guys her experience in figuring out how to find opportunity and what she did just to make things happen. And it is so cool. But before we get started, I wanted to talk. We do have people that are emailing in, and I said I'd mention those in the podcast and answer the questions. And Pat, emailed me and he asked a few different things. He's, he was talking about how he wasn't sure. He was looking at getting into self-storage, wasn't sure where to go, asked how he would start out. He said he has some money. He would even have some investors maybe that that would set things up and that would invest in him, but he really isn't sure on next steps. And I wanted to answer this question for anyone looking to get into real estate period. The first thing that I would do, and this is the perfect podcast to answer this question because Brittany talks about it and we talk about it in this podcast, but I would look at smaller markets and I'd start small, right? I'd get a smaller asset. I'd go to smaller markets where I could compete, where I could find things that were undervalued, even if it took more work, because you need to learn. You need to learn not just through resources like this podcast, books, things like that, that are good. They're really good, but you need to learn by doing, and you want to make mistakes on smaller projects. Don't go all in because two, it might be harder to get investors, right? You need to be able to have a track record. You need to be able to show that you've done something, anything. So go to small areas, go somewhere where you can negotiate with, you know, a mom and pop buyer and two, find someone that wants to get out of it, but there may not be an open market for people to, for them to sell to. That gives you an advantage. You can go in there, get a good price and you can operate it at a better, higher, more professional level, which will in turn raise revenues and will increase the value of it. And then you can implement something called the Burr strategy. We're going to talk about all of that in today's podcast. So I'm not even going to go into it anymore. But thanks, Pat, for emailing me. Please keep sending me emails, questions. We're going to answer them on the podcast and go in depth. This question just lined up perfectly with today's podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you can. It really, really helps, guys. We appreciate everything that our audience does for us, and I hope you enjoy today's show. So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here's the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. This podcast episode I'm so excited about, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Brittany. I met Brittany about a week ago. We were in a mastermind in Hawaii, and I'd 
I met her previously via Instagram only, so I actually met her in person at Hawaii, but I was so impressed with what she's doing. I just love her story. It's so awesome. One of the things that drew me really into Brittany was she shows every aspect of her deals and projects. And, you know, I'm trying to implement that. So this podcast is going to be great. And uh, I'm just excited to dive into it. And so I'm not going to tell you too much about Brittany. First of all, Brittany, welcome. Thanks for being on. Thanks, AJ. I'm so excited to talk to you. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So let's give people maybe just a little background of you and tell them, first of all, where you're at, what you do, and we can kind of dive in from there. I guess my story started when I was quite young. So I was a little kid and my mom was doing renovations on her rental property. So I would help her out with some renovation type stuff. So that's where I really started getting hands on with it. And always my whole life in the back of my head, I did want to own rental properties. It took a while kind of to get there, but it's actually a funny story how I got the money to get started. (laughs) I don't know if you want to hear that whole background. No, no idea. That's great. So yeah, let's let's hear. How did you get started in real estate? Right when I got started, I was six years old. <laughs> because that's when I really got the money to be able to buy my first property at 18 years old. So at six, I actually got really bad food poisoning from a restaurant. And it was at an office Christmas party. Everyone who got really sick, well, what they did was cook the turkeys halfway through, left them overnight, cooked them the rest of the way the next day. Everyone got extremely sick. Oh. <laughs> so that's, just, that's my big start into real estate. So I had $15,000. I was able to spend on a rental property when I turned 18. So they so gave they gave everybody that got sick $15,000? Well, it just like depended how sick you were. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like at a level where I was pretty sick. Got <laughs> <laughs> a few thousand, but I was like pretty sick. So I got 15000 <laughs> But I can't remember it, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is too good. So you got $15,000 from being sick, uh-huh. but I love the fact yeah. that you got it when you're 18, and instead of using it to go whatever, buy cars or go on trips or anything, you put that money into a real estate deal. Now, why did you make that decision? I I guess, was that always something you'd wanted to do? Yeah, it's always something I wanted to do. I've always been very frugal too. So I'd work tons of jobs, just always save my money because my priorities in life were to buy real estate because I wanted some, I didn't fully understand it, but I just knew if I put it into something, I'd be able to get returns back from it, from rental income. And I saw my mom doing that growing up. She wasn't the best at explaining it to me, but I kind of like was able to see with my own eyes, like, oh, if I work really hard, I can buy properties, then have that money come back to me and like kind of do the work at the front end and be rewarded later. And I was always fine with that. So that's kind of what I was thinking. I love it. Let's rewind it back here before we dive anymore. First of all, I, I got to know how many properties do you have? Yeah. So right now I have 13 properties Okay. and yeah, so just, I feel like I'm just getting started, especially when I'm at the mastermind talking to all you guys. So I'm really excited, but right now the business is kind of all me and my boyfriend. So we do all the work ourselves and we property manage, we do all the bookkeeping, like everything is kind of just us. And my boyfriend Scott's still working full time. So right now I'm doing day to day working on renovations, that sort of thing. So we put a lot of value add into the deals. Okay. So you have a value add strategy. You have 13 properties, which first of Uh all is awesome. You're killing it. And where are you buying these 
properties? And, and how do you have a criteria and what you're looking for? So right now we're buying in Saskatchewan in Canada. And for those who don't know, it's kind of just right in the middle, <laughs> right in the prairies. So the market's great. Like there's lots of industry around. And right now we are looking in the smaller centers. So the main city is Saskatoon. That's kind of our base. We have three properties in Saskatoon. So we have a few properties here, but we kind of look outside the city. And the reason we kind of started that was because it's cheaper. You can pick up properties for $25,000, which is where I bought my very first one for $25,000. But then still today, I'm able to find those really good deals. That's awesome. I love that because I think a lot of us have that same story because I have that like you. Yeah. I, I'm in Idaho, which might as well be like Canada, right? right. Very rural. Pretty much. Uh, exactly. Thing. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And we started out in small cities. In fact, we started out in a city that was basically on the Canadian border and it's called Bonners right. Ferry and it's just a teeny little city. But we found yeah. this value in a smaller, it was a self-storage deal and it was cheap, but we could go there, especially to start and not compete. And that's always been a strategy of ours. So we're now in second tier markets, but I don't go to the big, big markets at all because I feel like I can't find good enough mm -hmm. deals and it doesn't allow yeah. me to get the returns that I need to get moving. So that's interesting that, you know, I think yeah. a lot of people have that same strategy. You go into smaller yeah. markets to start and two, your risk is lower, like you said. Yeah. So you can learn and it's easier, I think, to learn because now you bought it for 25,000 and then you go into it yeah. and you're doing all the work, right? Yeah. Live in there, go out there, live in the van, sleep in the property, do whatever we got to do. And I think that's something about competition because a lot of people aren't willing to do that, right? Yes. Like even when I was still working a full-time job, I was going, well, I was working four 10-hour days and then I'd have the three days off. So I'd go after work on the Thursday night, drive four hours out to a property, sleep there, work all weekend, then drive home, go to work during the week and like just continually do that every single weekend. Lots of people aren't willing to give up that time. And it is hard, like, especially when you're first getting started, it's like putting all your time, all your money, but it's fun. I love it. Okay. If you are just getting started in real estate, this is first of all, the podcast for you. I, everything that Brittany's talking about, I just absolutely love. And it, it is so true. And if you're getting in real estate, I think financial freedom at all, if you're trying to achieve financial freedom and really own your own time and have control over your life, I mean, that upfront work, you hit it. That's hard. I, I was the same way. Yeah. We were investing and trying to build our real estate business while I was running another business, had another job, and still I had four kids. Stuff. It was. It was two jobs 24-7. We worked yeah. weekends. And two, we put all our money into it. So mm -hmm. we couldn't, you know, we couldn't go and do other things. So like we, we put it all, we were dumping money that we were earning somewhere else mm -hmm. simply to move it into another business. But it obviously reaps rewards. And two, I think that you mentioned something that's like me a lot is the process where you're like, I love it. Yeah, and totally. That's how I am too. I, I love mm -hmm. all of this. I love the real estate. I love the investing. And the more I feel like, I don't know about you, but the more I learn and the more I know and the more I'm doing, the funner and funner it gets. At first, maybe yeah, it was really true. scary. I wasn't sure, things like that. But it just, it gets better and better. But you got to be willing to make the it sacrifice. Does. 
It does. And it's so true. Like when I look back to my first deals, even like starting to do the renovation work, it is so stressful. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like this sucks. Like (laughs) I'm not like getting as like going as quick as I want to, but now like so many properties later, each house, it's like, it gets better and better. And like, it starts out, it's fun because it's exciting. It's your first few deals. But then like each house, it's like, all right, like this is cool. I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing, getting in the groove of things. But I think like people do give up right at that starting point because of how hard it is. But if you just can push past it, like know that with each house, it gets easier and easier or whatever your strategy is. I want to dive into kind of the details of this because you do everything. I mean, like, I don't think people understand when you're saying live in the van, <laughs> live in the house and do it. You do. I mean, and you can go, you can go and check out Brittany's Instagram because she, you show everything. You show mm-hmm. the projects you're doing, how you're doing them from paint to flooring to tile to, I mean, how long does it take you and what is your process when you buy a house? Well, I guess it just depends on the project because some of them it's like full good. So it takes like a while and I could give you specific examples too, but yeah, like, that, yeah, why them, don't we dive into one of your examples yeah. and kind of show us like, you know, how you approached it. And I think too, why you bought the property yeah. and everything. Yeah. All right. So, um, we'll dive into one of our deals. So we did this one last year. So found this one on the market on our MLS. So it was listed for 49.5 and it was perfect actually, because what I do is just set my search settings to $50,000 and under and then I'll go in a certain radius outside of my city. So this one just made the cut at 49.5. And just and on I the saw, MLS. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have some secret strategy. You just get on the MLS nope. to find the deals. Exactly. Just keep searching every single day. It's like, it's kind of fun. It's like a game. It's like, what can I find today? <laughs> but um, yeah, so we found this one 49.5 and I clicked on it. And in this specific city, I thought that was a really good deal. It was around 5,000 people. Like we bought in, in cities even smaller than that. But now I kind of decided like I want to stick to like a little bit bigger than that. So yeah, this city, I was like, this is perfect. Like 49.5. I think we can negotiate down a little because I love negotiating too. So why not? <laughs> <laughs> and this actually was a bank owned property. Oh. So so we offered 38000 right off the bat. We kind of went back and forth, $1,000 here, 1000 And then I kind of felt bad. I'm like, oh, we'll just try one more. <laughs> Bring it down. So we got it at 42000 in the end. Nice. We're pretty happy. Yeah. With. So walking through like the photos right away, I'm like, this is awesome. It was four bedrooms, two bath. Like this is a great size. I want to stick to, I try stick to something around 1,000 square feet. This one was 1,400. So it was, a, it was a good size property, especially for that price point. So yeah. Do you we, find that those we, rent better or is there a reason why you kind of decided on that size? Well, I guess like I found that anything under 700, like people would think it's pretty small. Like if it's a single or a couple, they'll, they'll rent. But if it's anyone with a family, like they usually just don't like them as much. We have one that's around 750 square feet and we found that house to be harder to rent than the ones that are around a thousand. So that's kind of the reason. So I try stick to that, anything under 700. And it's also a a thing for the banks too. They don't really like to lend on properties under 750. I think the number is. So that was just another reason. So we'll still look at them, but we like to stay. If we could find something around a thousand, we'll go to that. So yeah, 1400 square feet. We walked through and it was like one of those moments where you're like, this is perfect. Like this one is awesome. So the structure was 
really good, really sound. Cause a lot of these properties, this property is a hundred years old. So Whoa. a lot of the properties that we buy are awesome. older. Yeah. So it's like, you really have to watch those foundations cause that's where they start to crumble. But it just depends. Like this foundation was perfect. Like it was solid. You could tell right away going into a house if the floors are kind of uneven and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But this one was great. And there was a lot of work to do. It was like pretty disgusting, but it's like pretty easy to see past cosmetic, even though you're the one that's like, oh, I got to clean all this, <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> matter. So, but like the bones are great. Like I loved all the old character stuff in the house too. So right away we're like, this place is Great. So then I guess that's why the negotiations start. Got it for 42000 So I moved in like right on possession day. I was so excited to get into that house and then just started off from there and just started like taking things off the list. Like this is what we had to do. That project did take a long time. It took six months. That was one of our longer projects. Did you have but... something other than cosmetics? Was it, do you have any real structural issues at all or was it just carpet, paint? Well, we did reinforce the main beam. So, and my boyfriend, Scott's a carpenter. So it was a pretty simple job. It was just like putting some more steel posts in and, and stuff like that. Cause they're all the wooden old posts. So we just put new steel posts. Other than that, like foundation was good. Like everything else was pretty good. We replaced all the windows because in Canada, when those really old windows, that's where you kind of start to want to figure something else out. So we just for efficiency, because it gets pretty cold in the winters here. <laughs> so that's always a big project replacing all the windows. We also did all the exterior stuff. So new insulation, we put on the exterior and then new siding over top of that. So that was another big job. We don't usually have to do the entire exterior and all the windows, but this one, like the bones are good. And we thought we could pull a lot of value out of it if we did this extra stuff in the renovation. So we knew if we did these extra changing out the windows, that sort of thing, like the bank will, will appraise it higher. Okay. And that's another reason we went more in depth with this house. So you bought it for 42? 42. 42. Yep. And how much for money did you put into it? We put $30,000 into it. Okay, 30000 And yep. what, when it's all finished out, how much are you renting that property for? So rent for getting 1100 so um, we're all in at 72000 The after repair value, the bank appraised it at was 131000 So then our loan was 104000 So we had, we paid back the full purchase price, the full renovation cost. And then we actually had that extra leftover value of 32000 So then we were able to pull that out. And then it's, I mean, great rate at the, I think it was 3.14%. So Basically a home run. <laughs> you, exactly. you, you nailed it. <laughs> and that's the burst strategy, everyone. Yep. yep. <laughs> if you listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Okay, it's explain like, the burst strategy because, yeah, this is really, this yeah. is important. Buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. There we go. Yes. Yes. So, so the banks want to see it rented. They want to see actual numbers. So if you could get that signed year lease, that's what they really like to see. And then they'll refinance it, take that into consideration and yeah, refinance it at that 80%. So that was pretty cool. Now, do you charge utilities or do you pay, is that included in the rent? How do you manage that? Tenants pay all utilities. Tenants pay all utilities. So what yep. is your cash flow per month on that deal? So this one, and this includes the mortgage and our insurance, property tax, everything. The expenses are $730. 
So the cash flow on that is $370. And how much did you spend on out of your money? Like, I guess, how much is left over in it? Even if after refinance and everything, how much of your capital is left in that deal? Zero. Yeah, we have no capital left. So infinite return. Yeah, infinite returns. And then actually what's cool about this, we have 32,000 left over. So we took that money, put it straight back into a new property and that covered the entire purchase price. The next property we bought was 28,000. So we took that. You bought it in cash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. With this money. So the cash flow on this first place wasn't as high, but then when you take in consideration that next property, the cash flow is much higher because we are paying for two properties with one mortgage. If you look at it like that. Yeah. And the cash flow is extremely high when you have no money into it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it's, you know, it's awesome. No, and, yes. and I love the burst strategy. It, it's mm-hmm. the value add strategy. It's the same thing that we use when we'll yeah. buy properties, we'll fix them up, right? We'll set them up and then we can roll to the next. And there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. But this idea of finding and creating value in real estate, I believe this is the difference of really getting to that financial freedom number to really progressing. And instead of just investing, because I mean, how long did it take you to get to 13 doors? Well, I really started about two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. So I had three properties before that, but then I was at a point, like I bought my first one at 18 and then I did, no, actually I only did one more deal after that. So I had two deals and then I was kind of, I kind of felt stuck because that was my principal residence. And then I have one other rental property and I was still house hacking. So I live in the basement and rent out all the rooms upstairs, furnish it and make pretty good money on short-term rentals. So it was great because I was living for free, still making money. I was working as a server at that time. So I was still making lots of money and tips and I like those kind of jobs too, where it's like commission-based. So I'm like, yes. I'm going to work so hard, get every table and like, make all these money and all this money and tips. But then there is a period of time where I felt very lost because I was like, I want to invest more, but can't really get mortgages. I don't really know what to do, how to get better. I didn't discover any podcasts at that time. Like I had my mom's example, but then it was still like felt pretty lost and confused. So I was like, I had to get a really good job so I can get mortgages and have more money to um, invest in real estate. So that's where I decided to go into power engineering. So, but I only got my fourth class. So it was only a six month program and then got that job, worked in it for six months. And I was like, this isn't for me. (laughs) It was that nine to five kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that was the job I was talking about where I was working four tens, but it was a lot of just like sitting around waiting for calls, like kind of just like, so I was doing maintenance kind of work. So I was just kind of sitting around and I just couldn't, I don't know. It just, I didn't feel very fulfilled in that job. So that's where I kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to quit, go into real estate full time, see how it goes. Worst case scenario, get another job. Like to me, it wasn't really that big of an issue, but started into it, like got into the renovation work. I really started loving it because I've always been creative. I love working with my hands. So it's like, it was fun for me. It's just like trying to like take that step to like actually go into it full time. You had a good job. So you got this good job. You quit to go in full time. And when you quit, did you now have a better idea, a strategy, or was it really, I'm going to quit and I'm jumping in. I'm going to learn how to swim, or I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. 
Well, I guess what initiated it was like, I just heard an ad on the radio for this real estate workshop kind of thing. So I was like, all right, like real estate, like this is what I want to do. But I was so confused on how to get there. So it was just like, I went to this workshop, Scott and I both went to this workshop, it was three days. And then kind of after that, I was convinced that I could do it full time. But it took that, like that kind of spark to initiate that full time kind of jumping into it. So I felt like I had more knowledge. I just like needed that hands on experience. And I wasn't too worried. Like I knew if I worst case scenario, I had to get another job, I'd do that. But my boyfriend Scott's still working too. So it's nice to have that partnership as well going into it. I love that. I I think it's it's interesting because you don't know what you don't know, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to get into real estate, but I don't know anything about it. You're like, well, how yeah. did all the people that got into real estate get it? You know, yeah. you got to learn. And that was the same with yeah. us. We went to trade shows. We joined associations. We went to seminars, you know, and we really dove in until we could yeah. feel comfortable. And that gets you like a little ways, right? I, I think yeah. you're right. Like it gets you to start to feel a little more comfortable that, mm-hmm. because you know it's possible. You say, yeah. okay, people are exactly. doing this. And then yeah. you kind of jumped in and you said, all right, we're gonna, you had three houses at that time, yeah. right? three houses. And now when you bought the next one, were you just going over there and then you don't have a job full time, renovating mm-hmm. it, getting it fixed up. And then you just implemented your Burr strategy. Yeah, pretty much like Burr has been our main strategies. And another thing too, I was just going to say about like, I went to that workshop and then from there, it's like, you start discovering more and more. So like go to the workshop and then it's like, Oh, from there I discovered like bigger pockets podcast mm-hmm. and then from there i discovered more podcasts and there was just more and more a snowball effect right yes so it's like it's like that one thing that you have to kind of to spark it but then to take action right away to learn as you're going like as i'm working on these houses or as i'm driving to these houses i'm listening to every book every podcast everything i could possibly <laughs> do to get all this knowledge in my head but then at the same time i'm getting this knowledge i'm implementing it implementing it We've kind of talked about this before, but same kind of thing. So I had this full-time job or anything that I learned that we wanted to do something different. I wanted to get into real estate, but I was traveling constantly for this job all the time. And so like you, I mean, I was almost obsessively compulsively researching because I'm like, I got to figure this out. I got to find another way. And I would just be reading nonstop. I had audiobooks, podcasts, and Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And it got to a point where I'm like, okay, we have this idea, right? And I, I actually went out and had this guy from the Midwest. I'm like, okay, I got this idea. We want to get into this asset class and this real estate. And he helped me do like some financial stuff. And it's funny looking back at what I, how I thought it would work. It didn't work out like that. Yeah. But it started. And then as I started to learn, that really, as I, or I mean, as I started to do, that really mm-hmm. shaped the, yeah. the course and refined our approach to obviously what we are now. Now you're at 13 doors. And I'm sure very, very different when you started out, but it is, it's, it's yeah. that both sides, like you need to learn from other people. You need to find the way you need to see, cause that kind of gives you guidance when you're doing, but really that, that learning while you're doing that shapes the path. Yeah, I agree. Were you buying a house now then every few months? Cause you're two years, you're at 13 doors. Yeah, it's more, I guess it's closer to three years now. We were buying like a lot of these projects. They don't require that huge, huge renovation. And then we also do, we like the 
duplexes as well. We have like, even in this house that I'm in right now, we have our suite upstairs and then we have basement suites. So that's really popular in Canada as well. So we try like do as many suites as we can. And then, yeah, that's kind of the strategy just so we could get that double income kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So we have three of those where we have the upstairs unit and the downstairs. Okay. Yeah. Next step we're talking, and we talked about this a lot, and I want to dive into a few more deals, but real quick, I want people to understand, where are you trying to go? You had this great job. You quit it. You got 13 doors. You're you're killing it. You're doing everything, so you've learned just massive amounts. What are your plans? Where are you trying to go? Well, that's like something I've been thinking so much about, too. (laughs) No, it's true, because my idea is, and I'm definitely like this visionary, this thinker that I'm like constantly thinking, like, what can we do next? And I always love my single families, but I really love the idea of commercial as well. So that's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And then going to this mastermind where we met, it was like, I'm meeting all these incredible people who are doing it. And like, I kind of see their strategy. I like that idea. Like the thought of owning like a hundred more doors, just single families. I don't know if that makes sense to me. Like I like the idea of having a commercial property and kind of having all the units in at once. So, I mean, that's kind of where my mind's at. I just, and I've met the people and now I kind of have the knowledge and I have the people I can ask, which is an incredible thing. Like I feel very lucky. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's a necessary thing. I don't know about you, but for me, I like, we completely surrounded ourselves with people that we're doing because I just pick up the phone and I'd be like, Hey, what do you think about this? I'd go to meetings and I just sit with them the whole time and bug them. Like I was so annoying. And I'm just asking them everything (laughs) I could. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, what about this? What about this? For me, that's always been a key to success in anything we're doing is to get with people that have already walked the path and are doing it. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I went around those people, it builds my confidence up. So yeah. I, I feel that I'm, I feel confident to take the next step because I'm like, yeah. I, I know if I needed to, I could, you know, call Bob up and say, this is mm-hmm. the deal I'm doing. Should I not do this? And they'll yeah. tell me. Right. And so it, it gave yeah. me confidence to move forward, which for a lot of people, that's really hard taking that first step yeah. or the next step that's difficult because you're you're going into these uncharted territory where you really don't have all the answers and you don't know how it's going to play out. And I mean, you're a perfect example. You you quit your job and said, "We're going to do this full time." It was that hard? Oh yeah. It was. It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to quit the job, that's for sure. <laughs> Cuz I was just like, I can't do this. It's just I hate sitting around. So I was like, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like I will do whatever it takes too. So I'm just like, I'm going to give it my best and give it my all. And then like the days where I felt like quitting, because I did, I'm not saying like it was all perfect and fun all the time. Like there's lots of times where I'm like, this sucks. Like there's a lot of things going wrong. I don't know how to solve the problem. It's like very overwhelming, but I just knew like in the back of my head, I'm like, you can't quit. Like you're just going to keep going. You know, you're not going to quit. So just give it up (laughs) now. Just keep keep going. (laughs) Just move on. (laughs) And I still feel like that sometimes. I mean, I'm getting better and better the more deals I do, but it's just like sometimes when there's these big problems, it's like, it's hard. But I think just the more problems you have to face, it's like the easier it is to just get over it quicker. What was your hardest deal or your worst deal that you did where you were facing some of these obstacles and you're just like, I don't really know what to do? 
Well, I mean, I haven't had like a huge like failure or anything like that. Like I feel like all of our deals have done really well and I feel lucky for that that we didn't make any big mistakes. But I think it was just like some problems that were really small when I think back to it. But it's just like even having a tenant that destroys your house and you're like, hey, I just finished this renovation. I just laid all these floors myself, you know, and it's hard when you do put that work in yourself because you're like, hey, I spent so much time on this and now I have to go redo it. And then those are the moments where I'm like, this sucks. But you learn from that. And I think that's the best way to learn too. It's like having those moments where it's like, all right, so what am I going to do to improve this for next time? Or I've already been through this. So it's like not a big deal. You just kind of have to get over it. So we were, as we were growing our, our, our business and we were adding properties, everything else like that, we have an individual that, that I hired to manage like policies and procedures because we have employees yeah. that have to learn. And we have this policy manual that is just huge. Yeah. It's like so thick. And yeah. it's funny because we open it up and I'm like, here's pretty much just a book telling all the ways we screwed up, all the things not oh, to yeah. do. and Because every time something happened, we're like, oh man, that's not good. Make, is, a, make a policy about funny. that. <laughs> like, And it just... <laughs> kept growing and that's our manual to run our business and all it is is a collection of things that we learned not to do and some of them were bad some of them were like you know how can we prevent this and then you build the systems though and put them into place to prevent it so then every time you do it the deals get better they get easier right Mm -hmm. and you understand more those those trials come up because their problems are always going to come up you know how to handle it you know what to do and that that process, that refining process, that mm-hmm. really is how you build and how you scale. So I, I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that was a huge takeaway for me from the mastermind too, because like, I'm not really, I always say this, but I'm like, not really a business person. I don't know. I don't feel like I was running it like a business. So I was kind of like, well, this is great. Like I could see the big picture, but like the details of it, I just didn't really have that down. So like creating those systems for me is going to be a huge game changer. And like, that's what I'm starting to work on after the mastermind. So I feel lucky to be able to talk to these, these people about it because you guys have already done it. And I'm like, all right, I'm just learning. So help me out. But I think like having those policies in place and like, having these step-by-steps, you could be a little bit more hands-off. That's another thing I'm trying to do because I'm so happy I did it the way I did because like getting that hands-on experience, like I've done it all myself now. So like now I'm going to be able to create these systems for the people who are able to take a few things off my plate so I could kind of focus on the things that I really love to do. And even not saying that I don't love to do it all because I I do, but I just think there's things that I love to do more. Yes. You know, that's, Okay, this is that's a great point. There's in whenever you're starting, there's going to be a percentage of things that you don't love that take away time time away from that you do love. And when we were building it out, you know, I I identified all these areas that I'm like these are like low impact things, which I, I may have liked them at one time, but they don't allow me to focus on what I want to do and replacing yeah. that with individuals too that most of the time were better at it than I was. So all of a sudden, not only by shifting those things and creating systems and people into place to take care of them, did it take time for me to do more things that I enjoyed, um, therefore increasing my happiness overall and building, building the business, but it also made my business better because there yeah. were people that were more talented and doing a better job at, than I could have. I, I, I needed to let those things go for my business. And I think that really becomes the part like you're talking about 
building mm-hmm. systems and everything to remove you from it, make it even more passive, right? And yeah. allow you to scale, not just to get bigger for the sake of getting bigger, but also mm-hmm. for the sake of doing what you love, right? And exactly. to focus on those things. And what are those things? So for you, what do you like about the process? Like, what do you enjoy doing? I love the renovation side of things. Like it's absolutely like my favorite thing. I could just even my brick feature wall or whatever, like did that myself. And like, that brings me a lot of joy. And that's something like, it can be a huge value add. And I love to do it. I love to share that with people online, like through my Instagram account and like helping people and teaching people like that makes me really happy. So like focusing on those kind of projects, like property management, it's fine. I like finding deals and negotiating. I love doing that. Um, but I think I could get rid of like property management, bookkeeping, that sort of stuff doesn't make me as excited, but I could wake up today and like be so excited to finish the exterior, like siding that makes me excited. So I think doing that definitely. Your Instagram is just full and not just pictures. I mean, you make videos and you show everyone how you're doing. So I honestly, I probably shouldn't have even shown my wife your Instagram because she's like, oh, we could do that here. We could do that here. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's, it's really detailed. And when you're doing these things, are you just experimenting? Because you were never like in construction, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, I mean, I had a little bit of experience just working with my mom when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So like that was a little bit, but then by far the best thing was just getting in there and getting kind of thrown in the deep end and doing everything myself. Cause I was at this property, like, all right, I had to make some progress here. Like, what can I do? So start like learning drywalling and then learning how to be a better painter and that sort of thing. So I learned a ton online as well. Like I would message people on Instagram be like, so a professional tiling page. And I would say, Oh, Hey, I'm just like starting out learning how to do tile. Would you mind like sharing a few tips and tricks with me? Like, if you don't mind, like I'm really wanting to learn from you because I could see your work and I see you do a really great job. So people are so willing to help. Like if you're willing to work and show you're dedicated and ask the right questions, like for them, it's like rewarding because they could see this person who started kind of new and then they learn from them and they learn the process. You have to be careful. You have to make sure that you're learning from someone who knows what they're doing, of course. But I mean, that was a huge way I learned like through YouTube and Instagram and online, but just like actually being able to ask specific questions. We talked about this last week Mm -hmm. and I think you're exactly right. People love to help. Uh, but mm-hmm. two, people love to help. It's like an allocation. You, you know, I talk a lot about like allocating capital. There's also the allocation of time. So mm-hmm. how do you put yourself in a position where people would be willing to help you and that you can confidently ask people to, for the help yeah. and you know that they're willing to do it? How do you think that somebody should handle that? It's hard because like you want to be able to give back at the same time like for me it's like I don't want to be asking and taking 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 like if there's any way that you could give back like if it's through Instagram or something like share their work like try to do something for them at the same time or say do you need help with anything maybe there's nothing and maybe they just ignore you because it's like they might not have the time at all to teach you so don't be discouraged from that like there's lots of people that may be willing to help like I'd send five messages maybe get zero response So like just being able to keep trying, like you're not always going to get a yes and there's not always going to be that person, but eventually you might find that person. You might have to go a different route, like maybe go through 
YouTube and kind of learn that way. But I think just like being persistent, be honest, honest, yeah, persistent. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I'm persistent, but not I'm, annoying, you know, <laughs> not annoying. Sometimes I'm a little annoying, <laughs> but <laughs> like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> But yeah, like, I don't know, just like showing people that you are willing to do the work. And like, yeah, I was just amazed, like how many people were willing to help me with these kind of questions and these professional people. But I found that most people are pretty like willing to help. And I think you're right. I think for, especially in today's age, you have so many resources. Like you said, you have YouTube, Uh, Instagram, and we can contact people today and ways that were just never possible. I mean, once again, yeah. you can be in Canada and you could talk to somebody in Florida and they could respond to you and help you do an issue that they're really good at. So not only can yeah. you reach out to people, but you have a way of finding people that are really good and have yeah. direct contact with them in a really tangible way. And two, you can see what they're doing in a real tangible way. Like like you, people can actually look and see what you're doing. There's so many resources for people. You mm-hmm. can reach out to lots of people. People are willing to help. And so if you're trying to get started and you don't know, I think, where to go or how to do it, well, Mm -hmm. you have access to so many people, so many resources, you know, just reaching out and, you know, being Mm -hmm. persistent, not annoying, but being persistent (laughs) and offering to something back and saying, listen, how can I help you and what I, and you can solve pretty much any problem. I mean, and I really do believe this and you're a perfect example, right? I mean, you're, Mm -hmm. you're self-taught everything and you are doing bare bones. You're, I mean, you're ripping houses apart, you're refinancing, you're remodeling and it's all when I am by self-taught, I mean, you're reaching out to people obviously and getting help everything, but it's you initiating it. It's you're the one finding the answers and then you're doing it. And every time that you stumble on a problem, you're then going out and finding another answer. Anybody can do that. And that is just so awesome because it, it should give people confidence, right? It gives me confidence knowing that I can venture into something and know that I don't know everything and that's okay. Right. I don't need to know it all and I can still make something out of this and I still have the resources and I can get the help. I just think that's so awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's true. And it's just like having, uh, and it's hard because sometimes it's like, I don't even know what to ask. Like even at the mastermind for me, it's like, I got to this point and then it's like, oh, I'm at the point where I'm, I didn't even know like creating the systems kind of thing. I don't need, you don't even know what to ask, but if you just like continually, like you're trying to learn, got a little bit of piece of information here, like, okay, maybe this is the next step. And then just like, keep talking to people. And then finally it will click. But I just, I do think like you're never going to have all the answers. And I think that's what stops a lot of people too. And, I agree. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it, there ha- you have to get comfortable. And, you know, luckily for me, I was comfortable very early on in life knowing Great. I'm not going to know everything. <laughs> that's never going to happen. I'm not that smart. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. but realizing you don't have to be and that's okay. You yeah. don't. You don't need to have the answers. You never will. And two, it's also important to understand that things change. So the economy yeah. today is different than it was 15 years ago. So the people yeah. that are actually doing, they're relearning constantly, right? Yeah, I mean, every project you do has something different. Every yeah, step that exactly. you take. So that process of learning and growing, it's not like, oh, I'll figure it out and then I'll be able to do it because that mm-hmm. doesn't exist. It's, exactly. it's just a p- creation process and a process of doing and pulling in the resources that you have to help mm-hmm. you get there. Now, yeah. I, I want to talk about a couple more of your deals because you've, you've had so many yeah. of them. Um, what, 
okay, you did your your first deal when you came out, or, or when you quit yeah. your job, you had three deals. Were you still living mm-hmm. in the house that you were house hacking, or did you just move out there by the house? Was it close to you? How did that first one that you've now quit your job, how did that go? Well, I guess this is kind of a whole other side to the story too, because we've done new builds as well. Okay. So that, yeah, like we, we did a new build and it was great because Scott's a carpenter, so he's able to do, and I was kind of working as a general manager or a, yeah. General contractor. I don't know why I said that. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was kind of working on like I hired a few trades out. So we hired electrician, plumber, framer, but then I was still doing a lot of the work myself. Yeah. So, so the new build was fun and we did that one as like the t- upper unit and then rented out the lower as well. Did so, you, and that was, have you done one of those or was that something you did multiple times? We did two of those. Two. What's, yeah. what's the, so if, when you're looking at it, what are the pros and cons and what are the differences between mm-hmm. buying, fixing up and doing a new build? What, what should people know about which avenue to take? Because I know a lot of people right now, like especially in this market where we're at, it's really it's a really tight market and people are having a hard time right. finding deals. So now they're looking at, well, I'll just do a new build if I can't find yep. value add. What would you suggest? Right. Yeah, I mean, I like the new builds as well. Um, I mean, to me, I love renovations more, but I think that's just like an emotional thing. So it's probably the best to like look at the numbers, like new builds, same kind of thing. Like they take longer than you probably expect. Like this build took a lot longer. Like financing is an issue you obviously have to think about. Like we had a joint venture partner. So we had the money up front and then we just paid back everything plus interest at the end when we refinanced it but you have to make sure that you're able to refinance so I mean it's hard to say I think it's just if you do find a lot of people here I don't know if it's the same in your market but they do the double lots so there's single family house just rip that down and then do two infills like that's a very popular one to do as well I think that's something we'll look into a little bit more in the future as well we got those four lots in a row for $10,000. Yes. So we're starting, and this is out of town. So this is a place, like now that I look back at it, like it probably was riskier than maybe I should have like a little bit. It's It turned out to be awesome and it's a great cash flowing property, but it was in a smaller market. So it's around a thousand people, but there is lots of industry around there. So there's tons of people like looking for places to rent. So we're like, oh, this is great. Like there's so many people looking for a place to rent, small town, not a lot of people. So there's like the potash mines and the railroads and stuff like that. So it's like, there's lots of people and not a lot of places to rent. So we decided to do this new build. We got these lots super cheap and my mom wanted to develop them. So that's where Scott and I came along and we did the up down kind of duplex. So we were able to, and that was kind of right at the, start. So I was kind of like figuring things out, but I learned so much on that project. So we're able to refinance, pay the financial partner back, and we're still cash flowing like really well on that place. So we built it all in 200,000. We got it appraised at 370. So we're able to take like a pretty good chunk out. And that kind of like really snowballed us on. So we took that money, bought the next place, bought the next place, bought the next place. So it was kind of like we're able to use that money to move forward. That's awesome. 
That's now you talk about you. So the birth strategy, once again, refinancing and allocating that capital yeah. on more properties to be able to grow. And I, I think that's a really important thing also too, for people that are trying to, how do I get started? And that maybe they buy a small duplex, they just put money down and then they get, you know, a small payment, 150 bucks a month. And they're like, Right. This doesn't make sense. Well, you have to have right. something to catapult it, right? And that's why I yeah. encourage people to value add strategy and to build great yeah. value because that does it. It's it can take years off your in, in investments in your business. Now, yeah. do you keep everything though? Because do you just refinance it, or are you selling and trying to allocate that capital? How how are you trying to move forward? We've kept everything and okay. refinanced. And then through another, I mean, way I got started with these like kind of cheaper properties, I actually was approved for a $75,000 personal line of credit. So okay. I was approved for that right when I was still working at my power engineering job. So I'm like, how can I use this job to like move me forward in real estate um, yes. before I quit? So I, I got this 75, that, that saved me. It honestly did. Cause I was able to buy these, like in these smaller centers, like if I'm buying a house for 40,000 or I guess pretty much from 25,000 to 40,000. That's where we're looking because we're still bringing in so much rent and so much cash flow. So I was able to buy these on personal line of credit pays down super quick. Then if we did want to refinance, we could do that, pull the money out, buy more because it's a lower interest. This is really good. We got to talk about this real quick. Now, yeah. uh, this strategy is important because I know a lot of people that have done this too. In fact, uh, one of the guys, were, same thing, why he's working, he got the line of credit. He got his financing situated yeah. so that when he quit, he could yeah. he could do this and it could spur him. Now, that line of credit, though, that you use, was that a secured line of credit or was it backed by a house? It was just an open line? Yeah, it was just, it was unsecured. So I think I got it at 8.5% interest, okay. which is obviously higher than a mortgage, but it was still like still low enough that we were still able to cash flow. So it was unsecured. But the reason I got such a big line, because I know it is kind of difficult. I was looking at a property for 50,000 and the bank's like, well, we don't want to finance it because it was in a smaller town. And I think that was the one maybe too, where it was around that 750 square foot. So the bank didn't want to yeah. get financing. So I'm like, what else can I do here? So I was able to get this personal line of credit. And then I said, well, how much more do you think I could get on that? <laughs> so I'm like, well, I need to do renovations. I have to do this, that. And I also asked, like, I'm not afraid to ask, right? So I like went to lots of different banks, say, what can I do here? Like, how much can you give me? So eventually I got 75,000 unsecured. So I can just, and I can so use awesome. that forever. Okay. Um, so that, that saved me. That's been super, super helpful. First of all, I think it's pretty clear why you're, you're successful and why you will continue to be, you know, your tenacity is awesome. You're just like, listen, there's a problem. We're going to solve it. Let's figure this out, right? Yeah. And yeah. I can't tell you how many people, they just say, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, what do you, yeah. what do you mean? Why can't you do that? Like, and, yeah. or, or a bank says no. And you're like, that was one yeah. bank. Like, you yeah. know, and you just went and you keep asking questions. You keep going and getting it. You know, I know people that have really well-paying jobs and they have hard assets, things like that. And they don't think that they can get the money. And I'm like, right. you need to ask around. Now too, it may not be exactly how you want it, right? You may not be right. getting a 3% interest, but $75,000 line of credit, yeah. 8% mm -hmm. to get started, to buy, to do a value add. I mean, for for you, that is just, that is awesome. And to be able to use that credit wisely, you're buying secure yeah, assets. Exactly are undervalued. Yeah. You know how much it costs. I mean, you're purchasing houses that you're running out for 1100 bucks. 
a month and the total cost in them are under $100,000. I mean, that's such a safe, solid investment that focuses on cash flow. These are real fundamentals. You're not flipping, right? You're actually creating value. You have cash flow. It's an operating business. That is a safe, solid strategy that you could just repeat time and time again. And in order to get there, you knew what you wanted. You knew how to do it. You know, you needed the resources and you just went out and found them. It's awesome. Now, how did you find your financial partner that also came in to help you? Was it just networking? No. So that financial partner was a family member. Perfect. So it was one of my aunts actually, which was really handy. Cause it's like, yeah. especially when you're first starting out, you're like, Oh, I mean, it was nice for them to take a chance on me too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Friends and family. That's where yeah. everyone you know, when you're looking to start and you have no experience and you're like, oh, Banks, yeah. when it, friends and family are how most people get started, right? I mean, that's yeah, exactly. Amazon. I don't care who you are. Like most people, they get started yeah. through friends and family. You know, I got exactly. started through, you know, loans from my dad and I got started through other ways. I mean, that's how we all work, mm-hmm. right? I still am paying payments for loans that I had had to take out, which now today I was nervous at the time, but now today I'm like, well, that yeah. was just... A no-brainer. Yeah. It was so cheap and yeah. it worked out so well. It's I just love that idea. There's multiple options. Mm-hmm. You combine it with banks, friends and families. And I mean, now I can't even, you know, you have 13 property, properties. How much equity do you have on each property, do you think, on average? That's the other thing I'm trying to figure out and where I do want to bring more financial partners in because I have five properties free and clear. So I have these properties and I'll have to add it up. I can't think exactly the number right now, but I do have a lot of equity in these properties, maybe like 400,000, something like that in these properties, maybe more. But yeah, so I have these properties and I didn't want to refinance everyone, right? Because if I'm buying it for, even if I'm buying it 28,000, like we just, this is another example, I guess. So we bought one for 28,000, put 5,600 into it. So we're at 33,600. It's worth around 85, but we didn't want to refinance it. And that's another mortgage. And then it just gets harder and harder. The more mortgages you put on it, your cash flow too. Exactly. So we just wanted to kind of keep those. We didn't find it necessary because we have enough money now that we're still working on the place we're working on right now. We're going to refinance because it's in the city. We have a lot of equity in it. So we're going to refinance this one and then we'll have more money to move on to the next projects. But I think eventually we will want to pull some equity out of these five properties. So either that's going to be through, and this is all stuff that I'm trying to yeah, figure out, Yeah, yeah. but I think like bringing a financial partner into it and then they'll have their money secured against these properties and And then we'll just kind of figure it out from there. But yeah, so right now we do have quite a bit of equity sitting out there that I know we'll be able to move on, whether it's commercial, something like that. Like that's kind of what I'm looking for moving forward. Now tell me out of these four or five properties that are paid off, what is the cash flow coming off these from? Yeah, well, this one, I mean, the one that I just gave the example of 28,000, we're renting that one for 925 a month. So it's like, it's, it's awesome. So our expenses are really low, 258. So we're cash flowing 672 on a $30,000 property. So That's it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And then uh, it just keeps getting better. Like personal line of credit too. Like I bought a few on that and then it just pays down two years, like it pays down super quick and they're free and clear and just cash flow. And so I think we have a pretty solid base now. Okay. Now uh, I want to touch on this 
too, because I think this is important. You know, you've cultivated opportunity and you're capitalizing on this opportunity and everything like that. But I'm sure that you had to sacrifice a lot to get to the point where you could, because that capital to you has to be redeployed, right? You're using this to buy houses, things like that. It's not like you're refinancing or using your personal line of credit to pay for lifestyle. So, I I mean, you talked about being frugal, but kind of walk me through what you've done in your personal life to make sure Mm -hmm. that you could use that capital for opportunity. Well, it's true. Like I've always just, I've had priorities. Like I do love traveling. So I love backpacking and I'm able to do that really cheap. Like you could always find a way to do it like pretty inexpensive. So, and then personal life, like I don't, I don't honestly don't spend money on really on much. <laughs> and it's great. Cause I'm not from like the city. I, I'm not from Saskatchewan. I'm not from this province. I was from Alberta. So like after high school, I didn't it was a really expensive town where I grew up. So I decided to move to Saskatchewan and kind of take advantage of real estate opportunities here. I bought my first house at 18, stuff like that. So like, it's kind of sad, but like, I didn't like go out, like party with friends like that ends up being quite expensive. Right. I never own expensive vehicles. Like I've always house hacked. So I've always like lived in the properties that I'm renovating or live in my van and then renovate the property or whatever it ends up being. But I think just being really conscious of what you want. So it's like, I want to save all my money. I don't want to spend it on like stupid everyday stuff. Well, stupid to me, like if it makes you happy, it just depends on the person, I guess. I want to bring this up because it, it's not even so much that you wouldn't like that stuff or you wouldn't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's your priorities took precedence. Priorities. And you know, you're sitting here giving up your, you know, twenties, you're working, yeah. you know, like yeah. nonstop, everything else like that, which I completely love. That's, you know, yeah. you know, me, when, uh, me and my wife, you know, we were making, I uh, had a sales job or anything like that. I'm making six figures and yeah. we lived in a $300 a month apartment and yeah. I worked like two jobs nonstop. Yeah. When we bought our first home, we had more cash in our bank account than the house was even worth. And the banks are like confused. They're like, why don't you buy more? Why don't you get your house? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Because to me, that money was opportunity. Every time Mm -hmm. that I spent it, that was a loss of future freedom. That was a loss of another asset that I could have that would cash flow. That was more risk that I would put on me and my family. And Mm -hmm. so for me, you know, I, I did, I gave up my 20s. Why my friends were all out and partying and running around, things like that. I wasn't, I was boring. I had no friends. I, I, you know, I I had no friends. I just worked. I, things like that. But at the same time, it was awesome. And I enjoyed the opportunity where I can, because the older that you get, I mean, I've got four kids now. I'll never have that time to create opportunity. Like I did. It it just won't exist, you know, but I don't know. I think a lot of people look at it and they're like, you know, you had to sacrifice so much to me. I guess it wasn't really a sacrifice because it, it was like it. priorities and yeah, it was what I enjoyed. Definitely. And I was getting mm-hmm. something in the future that I think other people would then wish that they had. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lot of like, even like little things that you don't even think about, like materialistic things too, like clothes. Like I only shop at secondhand stores. I still do that. Like that's all I, and I've never cared about hair, like makeup or getting my hair done. Like people spend a lot of money on that sort of stuff. So it's just like, for me, 
I totally agree. It's all about your priorities. Look at it like this. And you're a perfect example for this because you got a $75,000 line of credit. If you were using all your expense, like if you weren't cash flow positive yourself, if you didn't have low, low expenses, the banks would have never given you that money. That would have True. never yeah. happened. And so yeah. because you were so frugal, all of a sudden $75,000 worth of opportunity you were yeah. able to capitalize on. And that was because exactly. of making those small little decisions where the bank looks at it and goes, oh, well, you have no expenses and you have all this money. So we know if we give you $75,000, you're going to be able to pay it, right? If you don't have that exactly. kind of history of money control, then mm -hmm. banks, your aunt, other people, friends and family, they're like, I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you money. You're like, you, you have a yeah. bad job and you just bought a brand new $50,000 car. They know, right? right? They're like, you need to be able to control yourself, control your expenses, because that way when opportunity comes, they know that you can handle it and that you can take yeah. care of it. So I love that. I just think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, like an exercise we did at the mastermind, like having that vision too. So yes. you could see yourself. Cause it's like, if you do feel like you're sacrificing so much, like that's, exhausting too. It's like, yes. Oh, I'm just like sacrificing. But if you have like that vision and those priorities to get you there, it's like, I think that's what it's all about. Well, and your why, of course. Okay. Talk about that. Talk about that, that kind of the vision, why that's important yeah. and what we did. Cause I think it's great for people to do, especially yeah. people that are trying to figure out where to go. Well, I guess the whole exercise was just to imagine where you'd be. What would people be saying about you? Where would your company be in, was it two years or is it three? I did five, but Maybe I don't follow instructions oh, right. very you did well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wanted to do five too. but And that was something that actually did change for me because I do feel like I was thinking about it for a long time, like pretty selfishly because I was like, well, I am frugal. Like I can live off like not that much, just like kind of doing what I love to do. But then when I started to think about like bringing other people in, Scott's families from Australia, like imagine if we had enough money, we could fly them down and fly my niece is down to have a vacation or something like that. Yeah. Like where I started to really think about like bringing other people into it. And then I love what you said, like about the school and everything and what you're doing with that. Because like, if I could help more people like that means a lot to me. So like the more money I have, the more I'm able to have that flexibility to like help more people. I truly do love creating homes that people want to live in too. And like, that's why I put the extra effort into like feature walls and stuff. Cause I want to create a space where someone actually wants to be there. And I do feel like, like having that kind of. Well, you'll I get better tenants too. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. Like our tenants are amazing. And the reason is because like we put that extra effort into like, even just like if you want to have a living room and then you paint a feature wall, like it could just be paint. It doesn't cost you anything more, but it's like, that makes a difference and it makes the room look so much better. And I, I don't know, you do find you get much better renters that way. And if you're doing the work yourself, then I mean, it doesn't cost much extra. When you're talking about like, as at the mastermind, the, the vivid vision, right? I, I yeah. love that because I think that was something that I did a, a lot is just envisioning what your life is going to look like in 20, 30 years. And, yeah. but they take it a step for, uh, further. So what we did is we wrote it down but not like yeah. you write down like your goals or anything like that. You wrote it down in yeah. the context of like a newspaper article that was describing yeah. this and everything of how you feel, what yeah. it looks like, right? All the details mm -hmm. of in 
you know, five, 15, 20 years, what you want to, what your life is going to be like and how yeah. that's going to operate. I think it comes from a book called the vivid vision and right. that makes it real to you. So when it, sacrifices yeah. aren't really sacrifices anymore, because I'm not sacrificing something, I'm getting something in the future. And that's how mm -hmm. I always looked at it. I'm like, I'm not sacrificing. I'm getting yeah. my vision. I'm getting what yeah. I want to create in the future. And I think that makes it easier for people because it's, so it's like, they, oh, not, it's not tangible, but it mm -hmm. becomes more of a reality and it gives purpose for today. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important. And people like you, I look at it and you're like, you have purpose. You know what you're doing. You're waiting. You're, you're achieving yeah. things. You're going after your goals. You're trying to remodel mm -hmm. the homes. You have a vision for what that home is going to look like when you're done. And you could see that yeah. in your videos on Instagram, everything like that, that you're showing. You yeah. could see you creating this and bringing this vision to life. I think that is absolutely crucial for people. And I think it really helps out. Yeah, I agree. Just having that mindset that, and, and I do at the same time, like if you could find something in the day to day that you really like to do, cause it's hard. Like if you hate your life every single day of like, uh -huh. you're like, Oh, I'm trying to get to the vision, but also this is really shitty. Like this yes. whole getting to the vision. But for me, it's like, I think finding what you like out of it, like in real estate, there's a lot of options too. Yes. So like, what do you love to do? Maybe you have to sacrifice in the the short term of like until you can figure out like how to hire and how you can make that possible. But like enjoying what you actually do every day, like that's what I find in the renovation work. It's what I love to do. So like I'm not gonna give that up for my vision. I'm gonna yes. still do the things every single day that I enjoy. And you're right. You can create a path to where you get to do those things that you enjoy. And as long yeah. as you enjoy the process, you'll have no problem. Yeah moving forward. Yeah, oh, I love exactly. that. Real quick, I want you to tell our listeners a few things here. First of all, uh, I want you to tell them your opinion, your suggestion on things that they need to do to yeah. going down that road to financial freedom, take control of their life. So I want you to give them your advice and suggestions. And then uh, second of all, I want you to tell them where they can find you, where to reach mm -hmm. out to you to learn more about you and what you're doing. And also too, so they can follow you along yeah. your, your journey. Well, I think it's so important to like create kind of a network of people that support you. Like I've found that like, I'm so lucky because I do have very supportive family. Not everyone does. So you have to find that somewhere, whether it's like at a local meetup and there's always ways to find those meetups, even starting your own. Um, so through social networks, like Facebook, Instagram, like you have to find those people. So like reach out to everything you can use your hashtags too. Like you could just like, or find realtors, like just talk to anyone you can in the real estate world in your area, because like having those people on that connection, like you can bounce ideas off of, get to know your market or wherever you want to go. Like maybe it's outside of the market, but having that support network, I think is so important and always be willing to learn and like keep listening to the podcast, keep listening to the books. Like there's always, there's so many resources out there. Don't get too overwhelmed with them, but you know, you just keep learning every day and get that support network. And then you can find me on Instagram. That's the platform I use the most at this point at investigirlbrit is my handle. And hopefully I can add some value to you guys there. Um, give you some renovation tips. And I'm also featuring lots of other investors like AJ here, of course. And so you can find that in my highlights and yeah, good luck to everybody. I'm just so excited for all your success. 
thank you so much for coming on. This was so great. I obviously think so much of you and what you're doing. You're just doing a really good job and such a good example for people. I really do suggest everybody, you go follow her along her journey because she really does a good job of highlighting the steps and showing you in depth in the process. I'm trying to learn from it, everybody. I'm going to get better just like Brittany, but that gives you an inside view that I think can really, really help out. So thanks again for coming on and sharing with our listeners everything that you're doing. And hopefully they just can take so much from this. Yeah, thanks, AJ. You're the best. Appreciate it, Brittany. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.